I see Bradley Cooper in the background. Now it's the bedroom. Now it's uh, Joe. Joe, listen, as tradition goes on uh, Drive Talking, um, I'll introduce you in a few moments, okay? Uh, first off, just want to hit the ground running um, with uh, the fact that you're you're test driving all the time. What are you test driving at the moment? Um, I'm actually I'm in a Mercedes CLA uh, nice. plug-in hybrid version of it. Yeah, nice, nice car. Um, yeah. It seems that everything's now coming with a plug-in hybrid or a hybrid or an electric or a, and and more and more cars obviously go in that direction for obvious reasons. Are we going to see at any point, do you reckon Mercedes just saying, okay, look, good luck, petrol, good luck, diesel, that's it, we're switching over? Yeah, well, like most of the manufacturers are kind of, they're threatening to go that way anyway. They're, they're all kind of talking about 2030 and 2040 and 2035 and getting rid of traditional combustion engine cars, which like... You know, don't get me wrong, huge advocate for electric cars, um, as you well know. But ah, wouldn't it be nice still if you could just have that Yaris GR just in the garage for 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 the nice the nice weather, like or the the weekend, the Sunday drive? I do all your commuting in a Leaf for a Zoe or whatever the hell you want, but. Jesus, yeah. so we're 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 I'm what two weeks or three weeks into this, and everyone brings up the Yaris. And, and here's the funny thing, right? I'll probably never get to drive one, right? Because uh, I, I, I'm not doing that anymore. But everyone is just singing the praises of this car. And what, what kind of surprised me, I asked Michael Sheridan about it there a couple of weeks ago. It's If I'm not mistaken, it's a 1.63 cylinder. Is that right? Yeah. It, 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 yeah. It doesn't make sense. Like Neither did the Ford EcoBoost. Joe. No, like we're not talking about when we talk about all oh, your pleasurable kind of Sunday drive kind of special car that you keep locked away until it's dry. Um, no longer is that like you know a, a kind of a flat six or something. It's 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 it's, it's a tree yeah. cylinder. <laughs> we're, we're still like being super environmentally conscious and stuff, but we'd like to kind of have a laugh doing it as well. Oh, oh, okay. So you just mentioned there a moment ago, right? So if everyone goes electric, um, every manufacturer, uh, as they are threatening or as they are being threatened with, because governments are coming out with this policy in the first place to say, listen, by 2030, 2040, 2050, EV only on the roads and that's it. Okay. Uh, how much I, are you going to... Governments are coming out without the, with this without actually consulting pretty much 99% of the stakeholders involved in this. So they're like... Yeah. The government's like the world does not rotate on best intentions. Um, I, I I know Joe, but you're you're going to have advocates and people and environmentalists and scientists all over the globe saying, "Well, listen, guys, we don't actually have a choice here to be playing um, the game of okay, will we do this if the majority wants it?" Unfortunately, unfortunately, the world, uh, in terms of uh, our environmentally friendliness and our greenness and our ozone layer and everything else like that apparently the world is going to shite so therefore everyone must drive electric well at the same time like i mean and i know we're on a podcast my normal radio etiquette doesn't uh, presume fully apply but like with the best of intentions i'd love to be able to stick a feather up my arse and fly to spain in my holiday but i need (laughs) you know what i mean i need a boeing or an airbus a380 or whatever but not for spain but do you know what I mean? Like it, it, the world is built on the best of intentions and you can't just suddenly turn around and say, okay, we're going to have replace a million cars in the next, well, what are we, 2022 now? So in the next eight years, we're pretty much going to take a million electric cars, pop them in there, get rid of all the diesel and petrol and everything else. <clears throat> Has there ever been 
a 10 year period in Ireland where we've shifted a million cars. Oh, Joe, been, Joe. We've been very, very tight to that. It's not feasible. And we also expect to do it at the same time as the rest of Europe is trying to do it at the exact same time. They, they kind of forget we're, we're smaller fry in, in terms of manufacturer size. Very small fry. And look, look, we can go on about the fact that the infrastructure isn't here. And, and certainly in Ireland, as of yet, I'm hearing the same stories from the UK about the number of fast chargers, etc. But not only that, there's not enough cars because there's chips problems. Uh, there's there's liners burning out in the middle of the ocean, uh, just out of the blue and loads of, of Volkswagens are disappearing. <laughs> as well i know <laughs> i was reading the sad stories about those who ordered it to get a phone call to say listen we, we we've lost your car we're in the middle of the ocean somewhere it's on fire probably who knows um joe okay ladies and gentlemen i am talking to the one the only mr joe rafus of rev.ie and you may also know joe from his time as motoring correspondent with 2fm still appears on that from from time to time or oam Gakela. and as well as that if we go back many moons we're talking about Auto Culture Ireland, which is actually funny enough where I first met you. You would have been working with them and then you moved into Rev.ie. Joe, how's life? Yeah, then Auto Culture with Rev and, and then I, I do papers as well. I do the Celtic Media Group as well, so it's like seven titles, but it's it's common. And then I work with Tony Conlon doing that. Um, and then obviously Justin and Ian and the guys in Rev. So yeah, good. It's easier than doing Auto Culture because it was like... That was tough work. That was a like a bi-monthly digital e-magazine that I was well, okay, not taken from Owen or Cliff or Chris, you know, the other guys involved. But um, like I was, I was doing all the graphics, all the layout, editing, writing, a lot of the photographs, um, you know. So there was there was kind of two weeks before every publishing date, I was running on nine times more coffee than hours of sleep. That kind of ratio, and it just that's not feasible. Yeah, you were a hyper guy back then, Joe, but you're looking so much more relaxed. You're looking so much more relaxed. Listen, I want, I want to do something uh, on this week's um, podcast that, that I don't suppose I've actually done before. Um, I'm going to ask you to review a few cars for me. So I asked you during the week uh, three recent cars that you've driven. So I've got a few questions random. And you got back to me with a, with a, good, with a good number, actually. And funnily enough, one of them was the Ford Mustang Mach-E, but we're going to park that for the moment. Do you like what I did there? Park that for the moment. Um, but no, let, let's start out with the DS7, because what, once again, uh, week one, we spoke to Neil Briscoe, and, and I'm going to ask you this question a little bit later on as well. The worst new car you've ever test driven. And he said... The, the one that disappointed him the most was the DS5 looking back at one of the earlier generations of it, right? And I had to agree with him in terms of certainly that uh, claustrophobic interior, etc. But the DS7, Joe, tell us about it. Like, uh, are, are we happy? Are we pleased? Are we taking... We, we, we need to jump straight in here and say DS is not a Citroen. It is a Citroen, but it's not a Citroen. As long as we're clear that it's it's made by people from behind, but it's not a Citroen. <laughs> Okay, because that's the first thing. Because everybody, like I had it, I had it there for for a couple uh, for a week and a bit actually, and like everybody stops. But I've also had the DS3 recently as well, and everybody stops. What is that? And you go, oh, it's a get, and they go, oh, it's a, so it's a Citroen. No, it's not a Citroen. Okay, yeah. it, it used to be a Citroen, but they're no longer a Citroen. Anyway, we can go round and round. Uh, DS7, yeah, like. Yeah, it's nice. It, I just, I'm not really sure about it. And I'll tell you why. It's very, very simple. 
It's the same problem DS has always had. If I'm Emmanuel Macron and I'm, you know, or I'm, I'm whatever, I'm very much supporting local and getting my French premium brand car. But it's not really a premium brand car. I mean, it's it's a very well finished, very refined, no problems there. But is it directly comparable with a Mercedes? No, it's not. Like truth be told, um, as I said, driving a Mercedes this week, and and just the the quality of material and and everything that that that's there is. So in terms of you're paying premium kind of brand price, and you're getting a very very nice car, but like, I mean, I suppose, you know, in the past, you you had a very, very clear defined premium sector, you know, that consisted of only a very, very elite handful of brands, your Mercedes, your your Audis, your, your BMWs, Jaguars, perhaps Volvos were, some people were right up there and some people, they weren't in that category. Uh, they were up there for me. DS is, has never been up there. And as a matter of fact, like, the build quality in it is is probably more on a par with with some it's some of its other French brands like like Peugeot or or Volkswagen, and yet they don't kind of come in with this very very high over the top, uh, you know, kind of just oh we're right up there we're a big premium brand. I oh, don't know. Oh, okay, so look, the money's got to be spent somewhere. Okay, so so this to distinguish it from Citroen, other than actually looking prettier, because I, maybe I think we can agree it's a prettier looking car, not the slag off Citroen or anything like that. DS is naturally prettier, sportier, bulkier, musclier looking, musk, musclier, uh, more muscular looking than, let's say, your run the mill Citroen. But wh where is the money spent? Where is the differentiation between uh, Citroen and DS? Um, is it okay? So materials, you're saying not so much. Is the drive any better? Does it feel any tighter to the road? Uh, is is the gear shifting any better? Are the hydraulics any better? Anything like that coming in? Well, you see, this is this is the other thing too. Like, I mean. Okay, so it's Citroen, it's part of that PSA Stelios group. There is so many common parts. You, you gave the example of the gearbox. I mean, you jump across three or four brands there, they're all running the same eight-speed automatic gearbox. Um, so can we say that the gearbox is far more refined than a Peugeot? No, you can't, because it's the same. Um, like in terms of build quality, they're all very, very well built now. Um, it's it's not like in the past where you could, you know, and and I, I'm constantly having this argument with a with a with a guy I know who says he will never ever buy a Peugeot. He bought a Peugeot once; it was the greatest load of rubbish he ever. And we're talking 25 years ago, and um, and I keep saying to him, I said, "Have you been in a recent Peugeot? Oh, they're yeah. a fabulous car. Do you know what I mean? They're really, really, and obviously, you know, like they have come on so much. I mean." 3008, 5008, the new 2008, the 508, um, they're all top, you know, they're top quality cars. Um, so I, I suppose maybe it's it's DS now are kind of in, in a little bit more trouble because while they perhaps haven't reached that, that pinnacle that the other elite German premium brands, we'll call them, are at, everybody else has closed up behind them. Um, mm. So like... The, the, there's a very fine margin. I, I don't see the the value in um in in spending up. Now the one thing I will say about the DS7. Sorry, and I can see your hand up there to stop me. But the 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 DS7 is 
a very, very nice car. It's a very well-built car. It's a, I think it's a very stylish car. The design language of the interior doesn't translate as well into its little brother, the DS3. Uh, I mean, there's only so many squares, diamonds, rectangles, lozenge shapes, triangles that you can fit in an interior, um, like the center console. And it's the same. It works in the DS7 for some reason. Perhaps it's just a bigger package. But yeah. in, the, in the smaller package, the, I described the, the interior, yeah, like the, the center console around the gear selector and that, it looks like an empty milk tray box. <laughs> Sorry, in 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 the in the DS7 or the DS3? It, well, it's it's pretty much the same at both. It's yeah. nowhere near as offensive in the DS7 as the scale. I suppose it's it's not as, and obviously the better center unit and, and kind of infotainment system, um, it it's it's muted a bit more. Pack all that into a small hatchback. It's it's there's a lot going on. Okay, so kickoff price. So you would have been driving top of the range, which folks is typical. Often when journalists are out uh, test driving cars, they are given top of the range. Ed, and there's numerous reasons behind that. Um, the wise idea, some manufacturers do this. And it's actually the wise idea. They give you the one that's going to sell the most. But DS7 kicks off from 42. But I'd say that that price increases quite swiftly. Okay, I want to move on, but I want to stay related. Okay, so and, and there are a couple of other reviews I want to talk to you about. Okay, so. So Citroen DS, the big, the big changeover, the big marketing coup. Uh, let's go from Citroen DS to DS, right? So that happened. We'll just leave that linger there for a moment. So that happened. Okay. Then you have Volvo Polestar. You have Say It Cupra, right? Uh, all these things. We, we, we nearly had, I expected for quite a while, there'd be a Ford Vignale, but that didn't happen. I don't think it's going to happen either. It's worked for some people. Like, I mean, I'm now lusting, even though I haven't seen one. I haven't seen one in Ireland. I know they're building the brand here, but the Polestar, for example, I can't wait to have a look at that on Irish roads. Uh, likewise, the Coopers made such a high impression. I mean, that was a great car, and it's just making this great impression. Um, and, and do you know what? Like just on the topic of Cooper, the the Cooper born their their EV. It's built on the same platform as the ID three. Mm. Uh, that's coming later this year. I've driven that. And I must say, that's a cracking car. That's a really, really, that, and that's one of the, you know, the way you at the beginning of the year, year, you're kind of thinking what's coming along the line. What am I looking forward to? What am I kind of thinking? Oh God, right. Um, but no, that that's pretty cool. Because the ID3 is a really good car and it's a really kind of, really good electric option for people. But it's perhaps not the most exciting looking thing. The Bourne. Yeah much more exciting yeah they've they've gone out there and they've made it look sporty and look you know kind of a little bit more aggressive and a little bit just one thing that i've always said right the seat leon to me was always a cracking car all right seat leon it was a great car but then the first time I drove a Leon Cupra, I was like, wow, this is phenomenal. It was fantastic, right? It was a really nice feeling car and everything else like that. Looked good, felt good. Uh, great fake leather inside it. Uh, nice dash, nice feel, nice drive, nice everything, right? And great technology with it as well. But to me, changing the brand or, or removing Cupra from the brand to make the sporty side of it worked. Uh, to me, it works with Polestar. Uh, 
the question is, why isn't it necessarily working brilliantly with DS? Now, they are coming out with some amazing stuff. I've been looking at the concept cars over the last few weeks and things like that as well, just doing a bit of research around them. It looks like it's going to be a cracking brand, but what, why is it with the likes of Cooper? Once again, you being a motor journalist can correct me if I'm wrong, but why is it with the case of Cooper? It just seems to have worked from day one. And with Polestar, and uh, I'd love your input on Polestar, the concept of a Polestar standalone is is a winner to me from day one as well. Okay. It, 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 well, I, I can only speak for myself, right? Yeah. But I, like I'm doing this motoring gig for, whoa, what are we now? nine ten years doing it and even before that you know i was it was obviously always big into my cars and you'd see that uh, a leon cupra and we're going even back a couple of models comes on press fleet you're excited about it you get a s60 volvo s60 polestar oh you're very excited about that as well because you know that it's going to be a very very special it, it's do you know and then it's like the yaris gr um yeah. if if a yaris gr goes on press fleet right everyone gets very excited oh really top of the range sporty uh fast hot hatch looking forward to that right if they brought out uh like a premium version of a toyota yaris yeah what I make up some name for whatever name you want to call it, but like it's a Yaris with really comfy leather seats and a heated steering wheel. And like, you just kind of go, what's the point? <laughs> it's it's like a Ford Fiesta Vignale. Yeah. <clears throat> it just, like, if, if I have that kind of money to buy a Fiesta, why don't I just buy an SD line Focus? Oh. Or or an or or an ST yeah, yeah, an ST Fiesta, like, yeah. and, and and that's you know you kind of there is so many other options around you. And if I have the money to buy a really expensive Citroen, why why don't I just buy a Mercedes or an Audi or a BMW? Well, now see that, or, that brings or up a C four and, and spec it to exactly what everything I want. But you see, that brings up the other thing, right? So per personally, I'm a big fan of, of German-built cars, okay? Uh, I like a massive fan of BMW. I think Volkswagen, despite their history and everything else like that, I think they make a cracking car. I think Skoda, and I know they're not necessarily German, but they belong to Volkswagen Group. I'm looking at those going, they're great. Same with Audi, same with Porsche, and on the list goes and on and on and on. So I'm somebody who likes uh, German-built cars. We, we both know that there are people who are obsessed by Japanese-built cars. Uh, now the world seems to be going towards South Korean-built cars, and there's this kind of loyalty to cars that come from there, okay? And I think that there is a massive following in Ireland of French-built cars, So which is Peugeot, your Renault, your Citroën, your DS. Do, do you know what? Like, I, I feel like I've been really hard on DS. I'm, I'm, I'm just not, just not convinced on... Hmm. on um i'm just not convinced on its merit in, in in the grander scheme of things but renault i mean renault five renault four i mean there have been some amazing renaults if you look back i remember a friend of mine had a, had a future 106 rally oh what a car like absolutely like class uh you know and citroen citroen are responsible for some of the greatest innovations in oh in, yeah in comfort, road handling, everything. Like I mean, hydraulics famed for their suspension. French cars are, and the thing is, it's 
it's very they get a raw deal as well because while they have their big following there's also a lot of people who say oh, i never drive an italian i won't drive a fiat and you know what i mean but i also won't drive a french car because mm-hmm. the electronics are rubbish you know yeah. and you kind of go yeah well like that's you know a, a kind of a perception people have based on a period in time when there wasn't that many really really reliable brands of cars all the stuff Joe, do you know what? I'm looking forward to having a conversation with you one day about the DS9. Okay. Uh, I, I think that's going to be the one. To, to me, you, you, okay, so we, you mentioned earlier on, like kind of the Emmanuel Macron, what, what's he going to be driving? Uh, what Effectively the presidential ride as such, right? And I reckon it's got to be a saloon. I, I just think for, for a president, for for diplomat, whatever, I think a saloon is better than, let's say, an SUV type vehicle, okay? Uh, I think the DS9 could be that game changer. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. Yeah, it, it looks, you know, uh, it, it looks like it, it's it's going to be a race. And like I said, as they get bigger, they, they work better styling. The DS3 is far too fussy for my liking. Uh, <laughs> fair enough right i'm going to move on right um i i know you're involved with irish car of the year last week and we've actually spoken about the ev6 a few times over the last few weeks um so i'm going to avoid that one but paddy common brought up the ionic 5 last week and i know you've been test driving recently have to say joe a cracking looking automobile it's like it's like it's like a car of the future it's it's like what we would have looked at to a certain degree in Back to the Future, and it's I, I won't say it's retro futuristic, but it looks the biz, it looks great. It is, it's it, it's kind of like a you know, like a, a like a Mark II or Mark III Golf if it came from 2050. Awesome, yeah, do you know what I mean? It, it kind <laughs> of has those boxy proportions, um, but so much technology, it's a fantastic car, it really is, and you know, like. It was a, in my eyes from the second I drove both of them. Like Irish Car of the Year this year was realistically was a straight shootout between the the, the Korean siblings, the the Hyundai Ionic Five and the the Kia EV6. Um, I, I like absolutely loved every single thing about it, um, and I, I actually look. I'll be holding my hands up. I, I voted for the EV6. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was only two, and and it's you know I, I had this problem in in a couple of categories. Uh, you're torn between your head and your heart, and and, and that's kind of the, that that's kind of a little bit of a challenge. It, it's it's so close. I'm going to sound really really like uh, pedantic here, uh, but it was so close between them. The biggest difference maker for me, right? And you're probably going to have somebody listening and going, "This guy is." <laughs> God help his wife, right? Um, but it didn't have a rear wiper. Now, neither of them do. But the yeah. aero on the EV6 is better. I drove the EV6 for a week. I could see out the back of it all the time. I picked up the Ionic 5. I drove from... And like we had them almost back-to-back weeks. The weather was similar, right? And I drove from Dublin, where I collected it, back to my home in Mead. And I may as well have been driving a panel van. I could see nothing out the back. Wow, and it's it's like that's literally how. And you could argue off God, this guy picked the Kia based on the rear getting dirty compared to the price. And obviously, the price is a big thing. Um, it's it's a good bit cheaper than the Kia, but when you when you kind of really go like for like, the the their 
there it, it's that close between them. Joe, you, you know, or, and I don't need to defend you here because I, I actually think that your, your point is quite valid there. Like, I mean, these are the small things. You, you, the Irish Card Year Awards and any international card year awards is supposed to be based on what the buyer expects. Okay, uh, that's what they're supposed to be about. Now, obviously, there's certain categories that are not all about the buyer. Well, they're only for the those with more money. Um, but I, I think getting a, a windscreen wiper is is quite a, quite important, or to even okay. get a rear wiper is quite important. The key it doesn't have one either, but the aero, the the yeah. slope of the window, it, it, it you get away with it. You you just don't. With it. It's 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 such a far throw from the original Hyundai Ionic. Like, I mean, wh- what was the thinking there? Like, wh- why didn't they just rename it something completely different? Or is this like you can't even say this is a this is a, a hatchback version of the saloon model, the Ionic from five years ago? It's obviously just somebody in in Seoul in the headquarters just really likes the Ionic name. Maybe it's his, I don't know, it could be his daughter's name or something of the, of the MD, and he's just like, no, we're not dropping that name. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, there's absolutely no connection between them. They, not, nothing whatsoever. No. Okay, they <laughs> both have four wheels and batteries. Um, yeah. But that's kind of where it stops. And like, I was never a big fan of the first Ionic, the original, but the Ionic 5, yeah, I'd like to be honest with you, I'd quite happily buy one in the morning. And me too, if I had the money, like I'm looking at this and I, I've got an ongoing conversation over the last few weeks at the moment in terms of what my pocket can't afford, but is nearest to affording. It would be the likes of the MG5. Uh, and I choose that one in particular because I'll get a longer range out of it than, let's say, an e-golf or something like that. Um, and I look at the Ionic 5 and if I had the money and from the ones that I've seen in person in the flesh, I'm kind of like, wow. That is a cracking looking automobile. The EV6, however, wins it for me. It's got that kind of that, that bigger build to it. And I, I'm kind of for those bigger cars, etc. Listen, I'm going to move on to, to another beast, um, the little the little sibling of the GLS. Uh, you recently had the GLE as well from Mercedes. Um, any thoughts on that? Uh, have, have they changed much? Is there anything new of note to talk about? I suppose the big thing I was it was it was a, a plug-in hybrid, right? Oh, another but, one, <laughs> but a diesel one. Yeah, never really got that. Never really got that. I mean, like range, you, you practically circumnavigate the the globe on on a tank of juice, like. Uh, but surely, kind of that defeats the purpose. Do you know? That's kind of like making a toothbrush out of sugar. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of. Yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm actually. I in the beginning, I was. I was a big advocate of plug-in hybrids. Yeah. In hybrid electric vehicles, I'm. I'm totally. I'm like either like just make up your mind stuff. Get off the fence, right? You're either you're either driving, you know. And and to be honest with you, I I wasn't driving your petrol or diesel car. I'm now very much. Okay, if you're not in that very, very small portion of the country, that will need diesel, still needs diesel, and will need diesel in 10 years' time, uh, or something that's, like, properly comparable. You need to be driving, like, you know, we call it a mild hybrid, um, petrol, or get a full electric. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm completely with you. One of my problems historically, Joe, and perhaps you can tell me whether or not this has changed, like, 
I haven't test driven a car and I, I, I like I don't particularly miss it that much. Sometimes I do, but I haven't test driven a car in over four years. OK, uh, and of old, the plug in hybrids and the hybrids that I've driven just completely won't say underwhelmed me. The, the concept overwhelmed me. I thought the concept was great, but they all under delivered. Uh, in terms of the mileage you're supposed to get from, let's say you're running on a battery alone. Now, I know you have to change your, your style of driving. You'll notice I'm doing my hands kind of like easier on the throttle and everything else like that. I know all of that. And I put that into practice when I was test driving. The, the best hybrid I ever drove in terms of giving me what I wanted from the car, funny enough, is the Kia e-Nero or the Kia Nero hybrid, right? <laughs> I, I thought that they had it right. But you, you mentioned a diesel a, a, a diesel hybrid, for example, the V60. I remember that from years ago, right? 2016, I think they had a diesel uh, V60 uh, hybrid. The return was not what I was told on paper or anywhere even close to it. Uh, likewise, I, I don't mean to be having to go with BMW here, but I can remember the 3 Series hybrid never returned what it was supposed to return. Now, this is five years ago. And w- once again, I was trying but I just wasn't getting the 30 or 50 kilometers that they said you'd get from a charge, yeah. um, which, which I suppose was gutting. So I'm kind of with you on this. You're either fully electric or you're not. But like, I mean, Mercedes say you've, you've I think it's a hundred kilometers of fully electric driving in the GLE. Okay. Okay. Re- which, real world, Joe, real world. Okay. It's not that real world anyway, but it's, you, you are like, if you, if you're conservative with the way you're driving, um, you know, you, you can do 70 kilometers, you know, but again, it's where are you driving? And like, I know I've spoken to some plug-in hybrid owners um, who, you know, I, I spoke to one one guy, um, I, he, he was after buying actually the aforementioned e-Nero, uh, or not the e-Nero, the, the plug-in hybrid version of the Nero. Mm. And he actually rang me, it's a guy, you know, this is the true story to ask me, does petrol go off? <laughs> okay, all right. It's... He, had, he had bought the car to me in the year. He rang me, it was probably late October, early November. And um, this this elderly gentleman does not go anywhere it's like other than the cliched to mass, to the shop, and back home again. And that's it. And he bought the car, the dealer gave him the lucky penny of a full tank of juice. Um, which still, has it. still has it. <laughs> And he wanted to know genuinely, should he be looking at getting it drained and replaced? And I was like, God, no, man, <laughs> you're good. That'll be worth a fortune in years to come. <laughs> That's an investment there, pal. Um, but yeah, and because like he was realistically able to charge up his car and he took the advice because he had talked to me a fair bit about buying the car. And I was like, look, plug-in hybrids only work if they're fully charged all the time. So every time he comes home, he plugs the car in. I said, leave it plugged in. It's not taking any more power if once it's fully charged, you know, and that's what he does. He jumps into the car and he goes to mass, he goes to the shops, any little messages he has locally. He probably doesn't drive any more than 10 kilometers in any given journey. And he runs it as a fully electric car. Brilliant. Yeah, but but, people can do that. But now, okay, so in fairness, so my sister-in-law is, I think, a 2018 530E. 530e i said that too quick for my own good um and she lives in Clare, and she's able to i suppose do her daily runs to drop off a kid to school and come back and go to shops and do all that without using a drop petrol and i i, I think that's fantastic it, it so i suppose i just argued myself into a reason for enjoying a hybrid 
but I just kind of wish they would be consistent in their delivery uh, from my experience. But my, I'm hoping that they've improved since I last drove them. And, and they have improved, like they have improved dramatically, like in the, in the last four years. But I mean, look, Darren Sankum said you buy an EV and they're going, oh, yeah, this will do 450 kilometers. What they don't mention is that's only at an optimum temperature of 22 yeah. degrees Celsius and only on you know, B road at 60 kilometers an hour with a truck in front of you breaking the drag. And it, do you know what I mean? <laughs> there's, there's, it's, it's genuinely like you could say the same with petrol cars, diesel cars, they're giving you MPG figures in the past, they're giving you, you know, liters per, per 100 kilometers figures now. And okay, the, the, the whole change in, 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 in with the WLTP is definitely more accurate, but at the same time, You'd be always amazed. And actually, jumping back to her, the Korean siblings, that is one thing that I, Korean people must be so incredibly honest. Because if it says it does 400 kilometers, you're, 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 you're really only talking about maybe being off 20 kilometers in what it's wow. actually achieved. You look at any of the European lines, they could learn a lot from, oh, it'll do 400 kilometers. And you get in, and it's like you drive 10 kilometers in the road, and it's gone from 380 to 190. Well, like, like the CO2 levels are only this. <laughs> but that is, it's just something about Korean people are obviously incredibly honest and, and the, their range is pretty much almost Accurate. as quoted, yeah. Fantastic. Right, I'm going to move off move off the car reviews and uh, thanks for that, Joe. It was, it was great to catch up and to actually hear some insights because all I've been doing over the last few weeks is just having bants around cars in general but not actually kind of getting into them a bit more so it was nice to go through that right so i've written down a few other things here but before actually still connected to car reviews before i move off the reviews section as such i want to know i asked neil this so you should have expected it by now if, if you heard the neil episode mm -hmm. uh, what's the worst new car that you've ever driven right so uh, my, the example I gave was, and I actually defended it after I said it was the Dacia Logan MCV. Uh, I just thought it was a brutal car. But the obvious, the obvious bonus about that car is it's incredibly affordable, um, and it's for somebody who doesn't particularly care about what type of car they buy. They just want reliability and affordability, which is fantastic. Everyone's within their rights. But what's your worst case? Uh, okay, I. Hmm. I'm, I, I've got I've got to go Korean like as well. Okay. Uh, but it, it's it's Sanyong, and, and you can take your pick. Um. But yeah, I think the the Corando Sport. Do you remember the pickup? Right. Yeah. Actually, no. Because you know what? Like it's. I love up. the pickup. You're just gonna fire stuff in it. You really don't care how good about it is as long as it gets across the field and does whatever. The Rexton. Uh, okay, the Rexon. Jesus. Which was built on a Mercedes, um, not, not a Mercedes. To do their own engines, but um, what was it? Oh no, actually, I'm sorry. Still on Sanyo, Rodius. Do you remember? Leave, leave the Rodius alone, man. Oh you, no, you no, could, no! I hear you. Literally, like you could put a steering lock on, set the cruise control, get up, stroll down the car, make a cup of tea, walk back up. It was literally like an aeroplane. It, it, it was the dictionary definition of long throw. It was also the different dictionary definition of understeer and oversteer and any other steer you can imagine. Like, Jesus. Huh? It'd like to keep you guessing. 
it, it certainly would. And I used to love the rattles. You'd look at the um, the rear view mirror and you'd actually see it rattling as you were driving on the smoothest tarmac road you've ever driven on to see this rattle. But one thing I'll say about it, I, I agree with you. And I can remember the price in Ireland. My God, man, it was 40 something grand to get into one of these at the time when I test drove it. But at the same time, like, I remember, do you remember? Do you remember? It was voted by numerous magazines as the ugliest car. And it's the older version, the ugliest car ever made, right? However, the new version came out and it was actually better looking. Uh, I, won't, I won't say it was stunning. It was better looking, Joe. Don't, don't look at me like that, man. Um, it was better looking, but it's a phenomenal practicality with the car as well, though. So I'm, I'm with you. Do you know what? It was a good choice as a bad car. But I remember picking that up and coming out the N4. And uh, in traffic, I was right beside uh, a disco, uh, Land Rover Discovery. Did they laugh at you? And I was dwarfing the discovery. <laughs> like, it looked tiny It was just, the amount of things going, what is this? Like, is this yeah. heading down to the Cora? Is this part of a new, like, armoured personnel carrier we've just bought? Uh, now I think they were shocked. But the, do you know what, actually? There was a couple of other things, right? I'll give you a, give you a second choice, right? And, and this is but I'm only saying this for one reason and one reason only. Uh, Aston Martin... V12 Vantage S, the old one. Okay, why? Shocking gearbox, right? Now, not a shocking gearbox compared to everything else. Like, it's a supercar as fast as production Aston Martin at the time. It's stunning looking. I loved it. I would still quite happily take one any day of the week. But it was, it was it's like an automated manual and... I picked it up in, in Belfast and on a Friday evening and straight into the first time I had ever driven this car was literally out the gate and straight into Belfast rush hour traffic. And my God, by the time I got to Newry, I had to pull over and get out and do some stretches. My left leg was killing me. <laughs> <laughs> I had such a cram or it, 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 sorry, it, it automated manual, my right leg. It was, it's, you have to time the lift. Yeah. So perfectly. Otherwise, you get this big lurchy between first and second gear. And the reason I actually, you know what? I'm actually really being very unfair on the gearbox. I think it was just the fact that I was so incredibly self-conscious in my 130 or 140,000 pound car that I had just picked up with everybody sitting looking at you lurching back and forward traffic <laughs> that I was it was like an hour in traffic and it was a horrible experience and everyone was just going look at that man. all the money in the world you can't right <laughs> that, yeah there's, there's another one no no but but there is a lot to be said about a car that doesn't meet your expectations so like I, I imagine Joe you you were uh, probably looking forward to driving the car you you know you were really looking forward to getting I was into it never driven. I, yeah fix that problem new gearbox much better car yeah, but 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 I can understand like your, your expectation was probably high, but I, I suppose it's one of the most frequently used items within a car itself, other than the engine itself is the bleeding gearbox. So you'd expect that to be working well for you. So um yeah, no, I can understand your pain there. Uh right, let's move on to car photography. You still doing it? Yeah, I still I, I don't, to be honest with you, don't get half as much time um to do it as I like to uh but yeah, still, I still, I'm, I'm maybe a little bit more selective um, in terms of weather and time of year and locations and that. But yeah, no, I, I still do bits and pieces. I suppose since I've gone away from autoculture, 
there's less emphasis uh, perhaps on, on having to have really unique kind of standout cover photography or anything like that. So, you know, with the newspapers and that, it's generally they're only printed in one picture anyway. So it's very hard to justify the time and the, the energy and the, everything that goes into producing a set you, of photographs for a car. You, you were really good at it, man. Like you, you've taken some cracking shots, uh, even in Dublin City itself. Um, yourself and Owen Tracy would have worked on quite a few t- shoots together, I imagine, as well. But well, your, your, your capture of colour and angles was always kind of, uh, it always one that intrigued me. Obviously, you were there leaving it very long time, or very low shutter speeds to get the perfect shot in and everything else like that. But they, they looked amazing. And Yeah, I got into light painting then in the yeah. end. Uh, which which is pretty cool, but it is so tiny, and it's not even the it's not even the the fact that it, can you have to do it in the middle of the night, and it's it's the editing time and everything afterwards is is huge. I give you a funny story though about when we were talking about car photos. Um, I remember getting a phone call. I did a, a most five liter Mustang, and so I'm down in Mullingar, and I've kind of set this this day aside to go photograph it out in Loch Ennell. Okay, uh, a spot I use many things, but there's loads of different places there, and it's 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 a good spot. And unfortunately, there happened to be a very very heavy fog this day, so I thought. And then I went, actually, this is going to give me some very very unique images. And I went down, so this bright yellow Mustang in this fog on this little private kind of closed road, um, and it's it's autumn thing, there's leaves everywhere. So set up my photo and. I want to I want to make it look like the car is on full opposite lock, coming around this bend, big power slide, big drift. So I set everything up and I placed the back left wheel just on the edge of leaves at the verge of the road, and I have the car on a bit of an angle and I have it on opposite lock, and I go out and take my photographs, and then I said there's something missing from it, so I go around and I set it on a timer and I get down behind it with a handful of leaves. And I'm, I'm literally on my hunkers behind the car, firing leaves, just throwing them out, right? As soon as I hear the click, I'm just throwing leaves like for good old. And it's on a long exposure. And uh, so that's great. And I publish. I'm delighted with myself. I love the photo. still love the photo. And then I get a phone call from the very sweet Anne O'Leary for the Cork. Um, Joe, I need to, I've been asking you a ring about this photograph. And um, we need you to publish a disclaimer that that was on a private road. And also, Please, not in press cars like that. We don't want anyone driving like that. And I'm trying to explain that. <laughs> but in, there's actually nobody. And I had to send her the original photo, like just to say, look, she didn't demand it. Yeah, but yeah. I, like, look, and just send it to you, just so you know, I changed the contrast that there is nobody behind the wheel of that car. Oh it's, my God. Yeah. But, but, it worked well. It was cool. It just it looked deadly. Like everyone's going, oh, have some drive. Who took the photo of you, Joe? Or who they, was driving more likely? Joe, Joe, look, look. Uh, so I'm going to ask you a straight up question: Is there anywhere where people can go and view your photos? Uh, like, have you got them sitting alone anywhere that people can view them? Because I, I honestly feel that as a car photographer, and look, uh, there's not many of them in Ireland. There's, there's the brilliant Paddy McGrath. Um, sorry if I've got his name right yet. Paddy McGrath. Yeah, Paddy, top guy as well. Yeah, super. Yeah. His work is really good. Absolutely brilliant, Paddy McGrath. But there's very few car photographers in Ireland. Is there anywhere people can go to what look at them? And my Instagram, Jay Rafus, and um, that's me, me, me Instagram handle. Um, but yeah, it's even up on that, including that Mustang photo. I'm pretty sure that's somewhere, somewhere amongst them all. 
Okay, now I'm going to have to go quiet for a second because as you can possibly hear in the background, the bleeding spin cycle's on. Uh, what is more? I can't hear it. <laughs> oh, can you not? Okay, okay, no. then I carry on. Right. Um, so I'll keep all that in. That's fine. Okay. Um, car photography. Right. So moving on from that, I just want to go on to Rev.ie. Right. So, so you work with some great, great people in, in Rev.ie, the likes of Ian Beattie and those. How long are you guys together? Like it, that started, what, five or six years ago in terms of you and, and Owen Tracy getting involved in it? or? Yeah, and then, then uh, the known retired gracefully. Um, oh, his own out of car journalism, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he's out of cars oh, no. on, on, on his day job full time. Yeah. Um, I look at him and he's, he's, he's three, three young kids, so he's, he's, his hands are full. Uh, but yeah, um, no, myself and Justin, I mean, Gotten quite organically. Myself and Justin had a chat, and um, you know, he he kind of threw the idea out to me. And, and at the time, to be honest, which I was majorly burned out with autoculture, and I said it to the guys. And you know, Cliff, my brother, who was who was writing the whole shed culture section of autoculture, he was really kind of quite happy to take a big step back himself. Um, because that was hugely time-consuming for him, so it just it just worked well, you know. But yeah, I mean, Justin, and you couldn't you couldn't ask for Sandra Dudes. Yeah, no, J- Justin's pretty amazing. I, I'm hoping that Ian sets up a bit of track time for you at Mondello every now and then. Yeah, it's been known to happen. <laughs> okay, enough said. Your 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 silence speaks volumes. Yeah, there. You know, uh, what brand PRs are listening to this going to? Uh, yeah, oh, all right, sorry. Not quite at the show. top here level, you know, where we can say, I want your car at this track and bring eight sets of tires. You know, yeah. We're not quite at that level, but I remember Connor, remember Connor um, to me, who was the Irish guy who was head of... Uh, Mitsubishi, sure. wasn't it? Yeah, he was with Mitsubishi, and then he was with, with Alfa Romeo and Fiat, and yeah. I think he's is he with Lotus still. Um, but anyway, I remember him just telling me that that was the way Top Gear operated. They rang him when the 4C was launched. And and just saying that to him, like basically, uh, on Thursday have two Alfa Romeo four Cs, same color, and bring four sets of tires for each, and that was it. And and that's your window if you want to be on Top Gear. Well, and then it was it was barely even shown. I think it was more kind of ended up being more website content in the end. It's crazy uh, the power to have. They they they'll take it right, Joe. Um, so I've been asking this every week now, and. Uh, I suppose probably a question you're asked often enough in terms of, uh, you know, great roads and all the rest. So I don't particularly want to go down that route. I want to go down the route of, was, was there any particular drive that you've taken over years of reviewing cars or not even reviewing cars just out for a family drive or whatever it was? Is there any particular drive that stands out for you over the years? Yeah, there is. And there's been, there has been, God, there's been some, some great drives, uh, like I, I give you one very very short story before I jump to to, to to my main kind of standout one, but I remember myself and Martin Brennan, and we'd be wouldn't be far off. He wouldn't be far off double my age. Um, but we were over with uh, Fiat in Balocco in Italy for the Fiat Five Hundred uh, Beats by Dre edition of the of the L. You know the kind of big family mm. one. And this car, as it turned out when we were there, was never actually going on sale in the Irish market because VRT would have just made it like unattainable. Price. Yeah, yeah. So it had this big Beats by Dre sound system, and we're out doing our drive, and Martin goes, oh, 
God, we better. And he put on the put in like a USB or a CD or something in it. And uh, he said, well, we better see because they had been pushing this. And we have to try this. And it was like, it was all Dr. Dre music. Martin was like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I just can't listen to that. And I, so I got on Spotify and we'd like, uh, we'd like opera. We had, we had a couple of the, the tenors and, uh, you know, blaring and this beats by Dre. And we flew through Italy. That was pretty cool. But yeah. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to stop you right there. We, we'll go on to your next story in a second. Do you know, I was in a car with you once where we were, we were in the Peugeot 5008. We were over in um, Portugal. We're Lisbon. in Lisbon. Yeah, Lisbon. Yeah. Uh, and a great car, by the way. And you mentioned the 5008 earlier on, that like the 3008, 5008 were brilliant. And I think it was me and you on the 5008. We were sharing a car and I was shooting video for Car Buyer's Guide at the time. And they had a beryllium, uh, a sound system made out of beryllium, uh, that that uh, more valuable than gold metal, right? Um, I can't remember who made it, but it was fantastic sound, right? But I can remember, I think we was back in black or something like that, ACDC, full blast. And I did a little scene, a little cutaway from my video where I'm rocking out to the music, just as I'm saying the comment, you know, uh, yeah. beryllium, more valuable than gold, uh, God, I wish I knew the name of the sound system, but it was absolutely fantastic. But that stands out to me as a memory because that particular video has your hands doing the steering wheel because I was in the back going here, Joe, will you drive that for a while so I can get your hands in? <laughs> so uh, thanks for that. Hugely successful video. Um, okay, go on. You, you have a story for me. G give me your nicest drive. Yeah, I had, I had a great day a couple of years ago and it was motoring, but it, it wasn't the main purpose. It actually was it was Northern Ireland tourist board. We're, we're like that pushing a, a driving route, and there'd been so much press about the Wild Atlantic Way. They were really pushing the Causeway Coast. Yeah. Which, to be shame, before that, I'd not ever driven. I, I actually, had, I don't think I'd driven any stretch of it, um, other than kind of jumping onto one or two points on it, but never actually followed the coast. And Philip Nolan, um, rang me up and he was like, you know, he, he, he has this and, and they'll, they'll get a cover for a few people if we want to do it. Yeah. And I remember saying to, to, to Philip, what are you, what are you driving on it? And at the time he did an RS4 and I was like, ah, oh, right. So like, there's no way I'm going up. He's in an RS4. There's absolutely no way I'm going up in a, I don't know, like a San Young Rodius. <laughs> right. So I'm thinking like, I have to be able to kind of like, not compete, but you know what I mean? Kind of uh, drive as enthusiastically on the given day. So Kia were after bringing out the Stinger and oh yeah, Stinger GT. And so we head up and we, we met at Castle Bellingham and we headed up and it was just the most fantastic day. We drove from there. We are basically our starting point was Bushmills and we were to come back to Belfast. Um, but yeah, just spectacular views, spectacular scenery loads to do do you know and and probably the biggest shame is i've kind of said several times i'm going to go up and do that again sometime where i'm not because it was a very rushed day uh like yeah. we'd meet be there basically bushmills for lunch where i had the best bowl of seafood chowder that was a highlight drove the whole way back along the coast back down to belfast where we literally just jumped in ran in through the bags into the room straight down for dinner and we were meeting a couple of journalists from the telegraph up there um, for dinner and then they put on the fast and the f and furious or the fast and the furious 
like stage show was on in the Odyssey, and uh-huh. they thought as motor journalists, they should we better send the two boys to it, and it was it was just farcical. It was the most <laughs> ridiculous thing. At one point, there was a submarine came up to the ice. There was cars flying, and there was, you know, you had to clap or cheer or raise your hand for one thing or do something to see which car was going to win the race. It was everything that was just sitting there going. God, I mean, they could have just left us in the bar. <laughs> we were crying like this was, this was bonkers. Like it'd be great if you'd have loaded like eight-year-olds, you know, going to it, but just two middle-aged men. Kind of. <laughs> what, what was there any party of Joe that was wishing they did it the other way around, starting Belfast and finishing Bushmills so you could enjoy Bushmills properly? Yeah, I just I don't know if the chowder was on the dinner menu, and if it wasn't, I really it was literally man. It was the best. Myself and Philip were just like, oh, it's the best pork chowder ever. Um, yeah. No, I mean it was just it was it was a really really nice Belfast, a great city, and it's it's I don't know it's it's undervalued I think by a lot of people. Great yeah, city. I have to say it's a gorgeous route that you've chosen. Though that is like it's it's certainly up there with one of my favorite roads in Ireland. I can remember when my when my wife was pregnant with our first kid, which is twelve years ago, so thirteen years ago, we must have been on this drive. We said. We'd go around the country. So we actually did a loop of the entire country. Uh, we decided not to go abroad. The year before, we did the same thing over in Wales. And it was just gorgeous, right? Brought the car over and drove around Wales and Devon and Newquay and all those different places in Cornwall and everything. But uh, we drove around Ireland. And I remember doing that route from Belfast through to Bushmills and going over Giant's Causeway or going past it and going across the bridge and all the rest absolutely stunning and some amazing roads over here but i i've got to say good choice of car to do it in like rs4 no doubt about it fucking beautiful car but the kia stinger gt i saw one again the other day and it's very seldom i see one i have to point it out to my son my son is car nuts and i'm like son that's a stinger gt and they're so rare there's so few of them the only only thing i hated about it was the (coughs) stupid air outlets on the bonnet other than that perfect car but do you know what like it just it ticks so many boxes oh yeah it's like so many boxes. it's not there's a lot of cars that very definitively tick a couple of boxes the stinger gt takes so many boxes it was just i was a supercar supercar yeah. super day good company great roads we man we even got the weather like it was 20 something degrees it was a scorcher it was fabulous perfect electric vehicle weather apparently 20 something degrees there yeah, you go perfect. there you go um listen joe rafus short enough route you'd probably manage it in an ev in one charge yeah, yeah, but 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 never mind what Joe said there. Take your time, go slow, enjoy the ride. That's it. Now, Joe Rafus, listen, absolutely brilliant seeing you again, man. It's been a very long time, and I'm so grateful you came on as well. Um, yeah, uh, like really, thanks a million. I want you to hold on the line one second. I'm going to do my sign off. Oh, oh, actually, no, I'm going to try something new this week, Joe. Right. So I'm going to put you on the spot while I'm doing my sign off. Right. So here's the question. Pick a song, pick it, pick a driving tune you like. Like, for example, I love Back in Black, ACDC, when I'm driving and I just want to get a little bit. Yeah. Woken up and everything else like that. I love a bit of that. So I want you, while I'm doing my sign off, you think of something, I'll throw to you at the end and say, pick a song. Because I want to see, there's this thing on Spotify where you're able to actually choose a song from their playlist 
and they'll play it for you. So we're going to test this. So folks, if the song doesn't go out, my apologies in advance and test something new here. Anyway, thank you to everyone who's tuned in today for this podcast. It is Sunday, um, but uh, hey, it's up here all week, all month, whenever you want. Now, if our listenership has gone from two to 19, so be it. Or if it's 1900, who knows? Keep spreading the word. Keep coming back. Press follow. Joe Rafus, what song have you chosen? Do, 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 do. Go. Oh, very eclectic <laughs> taste. I'd go Ludvigo Einaudi uh, experience. It's classical piece, piano piece, but like good. Awesome. Awesome stuff. You hold the line, Joe. I'm going to end the chat here. And here's that tune that Joe just called out. <laughs>